If you enjoyed the channel and our video content and would like to support us, you can do this in a couple of ways. You can sign up to our Patreon site which is a monthly subscription to one of our four tiers, each giving you something different from early access interviews up to exclusive unseen footage. There's also the option of a one-off donation via PayPal which allows you the option to donate an amount of your choice. Both options really help to keep this channel going and to continue putting out regular content for you good folk. So please take a look at aircurrentreview.tv forward slash donate and I thank you in advance. Thank you and enjoy. Laurie, when did you first become interested in aviation? You know, I didn't become interested in aviation until I was in college. I was just never around aviators or airplanes. My dad, I, I grew up in a military family, so my dad was a career Marine Corps infantry officer. So oh. as an infantry officer, right, we just weren't around airplanes. <laughs> so um, I remember there was a, there, there is a, a landing strip at Camp Pendleton, but we never, you know, we drive by it, but I didn't even think anything of it. Um, so it really wasn't until I was in Navy ROTC my freshman year of college. And we went on a field trip for my ROTC unit um, ROTC's Reserve Officer Training Corps. It's basically a, one of the ways that um, you can become an officer in the military. So you can go to a service academy, you can do ROTC, or um, for the Navy and for aviators, you can do Aviation Officer Candidate School, like in the movie Officer and a Gentleman. So uh, so I did ROTC, went on this field trip, and I, I went to University of San Diego for my undergraduate, um, uh, my undergraduate studies. And it was the first time I had gotten up close to airplanes. And so we, we went to, uh, back then it was Naval Air Station Miramar, and we went to a couple of Marine Corps air stations that don't exist anymore in El Toro and Tustin, uh, both up in, um, in Southern California. And I just was fascinated. Like I'd never been around um, or close up to airplanes like that before. And it, they just seemed really fascinating. And what struck me as well was that the pilots who were, you know, leading us around and talking to us about flying, they all were just so in love with what they do. And they were really funny. <laughs> and that mattered to me. I really appreciate humor. And so um, I just thought, wow, this seems like it would be a really cool thing. But I also noticed that there, I didn't see any women in flight suits. So I asked one of the pilots that was, um, you know, touring us around the squadrons, um, you know, is this even something I can do as, as a woman? And he's like, yeah, you know, you can, you could be an instructor pilot or you can be a support pilot because this was back in the late eighties when uh, women were not yet flying in combat squadrons. There were women aviators in the Navy, um, but the roles were very limited. So that was the first time I'd ever been around airplanes. And that's what got me thinking that that could be a really interesting job. Absolutely. And obviously going through your time, was there a big push uh, for female aviators or aircrew officers to go through that system? Or did, uh, did you find like a, a struggle or was it, okay, this is okay now? I'd say it wasn't really either one because there really weren't that many roles available for, for women aviators. So there wasn't mm -hmm. a push for it because there were enough women who were interested in it. Um, but I, you know, I never felt like... Uh, people, there really weren't a whole lot of role models, to be honest, you know, there were a few women flying in, in the Navy. Um, Captain Rosemary Mariner was one of the women that um, I had, 
I was lucky enough to connect with. And there were a couple of others, but I, I remember I was like, total fangirl. Like I, as soon as I got excited <laughs> about flying, I started researching, okay, who are the women who are flying in the Navy? How can I reach them? How can I connect with them? Get their advice, all of that. And you know, this again, back in the late eighties, there's no internet, there's no, you know, social media or texting. So I wrote a letter to a, a woman pilot who was flying in a composite squadron in um, the Philippines. So composite squadron means they have a lot of different types of airplanes and they, they do different types of support missions. And I don't even know if she ever got the letter, but it was basically like, hi, I'm a midshipman and I'm thinking about flying, you know, what advice can you give me? I, I never heard back. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I honestly, I really don't know if she even got the letter, but um, yeah, it was, you know, there just weren't that many women flying at that point. Absolutely. So can you talk us through some of your ground and flying training when you were coming up as a, as a pilot? Sure. Um, so we start off in naval aviation. Everyone goes through Pensacola and you start off, at least I'm going to talk about my training, which is a little bit dated at this point. So um, we start off with aviation indoctrination. And I think that was about six weeks and it was mostly physical fitness stuff. So doing the obstacle right. course, doing water survival training, all the dunkers, um, swimming a mile in your flight suit, um, all, all of those things. Ouch. And um, yeah, it was, it was really challenging. And I'm not a great runner. So the obstacle course was like the bane of my existence. <laughs> so I had to practice <laughs> that a lot. Um, but I passed. <laughs> and I um, that, you know, after you do all of the physical fitness and you start doing some basic, um, you know, aerodynamic training, navigation, you start, um, you get exposed to that, but you really don't go all in on that until you start primary training. So primary training um, I did at Whiting Field in uh, just north of Pensacola in a town called Milton. And so again, you start off with ground training. So you get the academics, you learn the theory, you learn, um, you know, you do the numbers and then they put you in the simulator. So you, you get to start practicing and putting that, you know, theory into practice. And you're doing it in a safe environment um, where if you screw something up or if you know it doesn't go well, you've got instructors there to, to support you and show you how to do it correctly. And then after you do uh, a lot of time in the simulator, you get to start flying with an instructor. And for primary training, um, I think uh, I did about 16 flights with an instructor before I got to solo in the T T-34, Charlie, um, the turbo weenie, as we like to call it, is a great yeah. little primary trainer. Again, now they fly something different, I think. Um, and it was so much fun, you know, just to be able to, um, to learn how to fly. And that primary training was really, this is how you fly any kind of aircraft, like the basics of flight, um, the four forces of flight, you get to go out, practice that, you do a little bit of, um, I think we did a little bit of formation flying, we did a little bit of instrument flying, like you're, you're starting to really understand how to fly. So at the end of that, um, you know, you, you pretty much know how to fly an airplane. And at the end of primary training, you select into what type of aircraft pipeline you're going to continue your, your training. So the options are jets, helicopters, propeller planes. And then there's a, a fourth category that's unique because it's a propeller plane, but it lands on the aircraft carrier. So that's the E-2s and the C-2s. And so out of primary training, I selected jets. And I, <laughs> I looked at the map at the different air stations where you can go um, for jet training. One was in uh, Meridian, Mississippi. I'm like, nope. <laughs> 
And then the other two were in Texas. One was in Beeville, Texas, which is a little bit, uh, uh, I think, like north of San Antonio, but it was is far inland. And then I saw Kingsville, Texas. And when I looked at the map, it kind of looked like it was close to the water. And, you know, I'd been in San Diego for four years. I went to high school in Hawaii. Like, I wanted to be close to water. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll go to Kingsville. You know, hit the beach after uh, flying. Okay, <laughs> like no, it's not anywhere near the water. I don't know how. I think it was like a, a inlet or something that came in. But um, but Kingsville was a great place to learn how to fly jets because there's nothing <laughs> around it to do. So all you do is study and fly. And um, and in, at Kingsville, that's where I went through intermediate, intermediate and advanced jet training and uh, flew the T two Buckeye and the TAA-4J um, uh, Skyhawk. So that was just nice. such a fun time, learning how to fly jets and then not just how to fly them, but um, you know, starting to do things that felt more real. Like we had um, ACM flights, aerial combat maneuvering flights, where we're learning how to dogfight. And, and then you know, even in intermediate jet training, we do carrier qualifications. So we're already like landing on a carrier and it was just so exciting. And, um, you know, just, I really felt like, wow, you know, I'm doing something um, important that's going to serve my country. And that's really fun. And I'm doing it with this amazing group of people. And um, when I did my carrier qualifications uh, in the A4, I remember being on the flight deck and I was getting refueled before I went out and did some more catapult shots and landings. And it was a gorgeous day. And I just remember looking around thinking, this is so cool. And I'm really sad that I'm, you know, this isn't an option for me because I'm a woman. But, oh, well, you know, I'll be an instructor pilot. I'll be a support pilot. I'll, you know, I'll be whatever kind of pilot you want. I just want to fly. I just want to serve my country. And, um, you know, we'll figure it out. And then about a year later, <laughs> the, the ban was lifted and I transitioned over to a combat squadron. Yeah, that's awesome. A few things to unpack here, Laurie, but uh, mm -hmm. how did you feel, uh, you know, like flying with like blokes and stuff like that? Did you feel like it was a natural thing? Did you, uh, you know, like, did you transition well into that kind of like flying squadron type thing? Yeah, you know, the squadron, like the ready room culture is definitely a thing. And yeah. I think I had, I think the advantages I had um, were two. One, I grew up in the military, so I kind of got it. Like I understood um, you know, the culture and, um, that to me felt familiar. And then the other thing is I'm the oldest of three kids. I'm the only daughter. I've got two younger brothers. So I definitely grew up in a family, um, where I was used to being, um, you know, uh, tough love sometimes. <laughs> um, but also, you know, a lot of humor and a lot of, um, support, you know, it, it, my family had to move around at least every three years. So, I grew up understanding what it meant to be part of a team in that sense. Um, so I think those two things really helped me in the running room because, you know, when when the uh, when the tough love is flying and you know people are are making fun of each other, I I knew not to take it personally, and I also knew how to give it back. <laughs> so I think oh. those two things helped me um, in in aviation, and and it was also what I really enjoyed about being part of that community. So, Laurie, let's talk about your first carrier landing. What was that like? Oh, my God. Terrifying. <laughs> but exciting. <laughs> like, terrifying in a good way, I guess. Um, it, I mean, we practiced hundreds of times um, at the field. And, you know, every runway on a Naval Air Station or Marine Corps Air Station has a uh, meatball next to it. The lighting system that we use to help us know that we're on the correct glide path as we come into land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... 
so, you know, we've been practicing that um, for weeks and uh, and they even have like a little um, like they paint a, a landing area on the uh, left side of the runway at the approach end so that you really like you're start, you know, you're starting to visualize what is this going to feel like? What is it going to look like? Um, but <laughs> there is nothing like going out to the <laughs> the first time and you're like, uh, okay, you want me to land on that? Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> it's just nuts. Like I remember flying out and you know, you're still like, you just haven't actually seen it. And then looking down and seeing that carrier, you're just like, I can't believe I'm going to land on that. Like, oh my God, this is so cool. So it, it was like this mixture of like, I'm so lucky I get to do this. And oh my God, um, you know, I hope I don't mess this up. And, you know, like all the, all the feels. <laughs> so um, yeah, the first time, like, you know, I just can't even, I, I don't, probably somewhere in my flight records, I've got my landing grades from my very first uh, time out of the boat. And I'm sure it was just, I'm sure I got a no grade, which is like the almost the worst you can do on yeah. the first night. <laughs> I just feel like, oh my God, oh my God, there's a ship, like there's airplanes. Oh yeah, okay, meatball, meatball. <laughs> so yeah. like there's just, it's just so cool and so fascinating. So um, after the first one, you know, I settled down. <laughs> but um, yeah, for the first time in the first catapult shot, oh my God, that that is the best. Like, I think you do the first catapult shot and that's what like hooks you for life. Like that's the, that's where the addiction starts. No pun intended. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you just, I mean, the, the catapult shot is just always so, so cool. Um, and it's daytime. So um, nighttime, you know, I would say nighttime carrier uh, landings, catapult shots, Never, I never, I, I don't know if anyone really grows to, to enjoy those. Um, they're always just like, ah. but daytime, um, after, you know, after I had many landings under my belt, finally got to the point where daytime was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. This is really cool. Absolutely. And obviously you said like, um, you were obviously posted to jets and I'm guessing, did you know you were going to be a support pilot on the Hornet? And if you did, did you, what were your first thoughts of the jet, the Hornet? Yeah. So, um, when I got my wings, uh, I earned my wings in April 92. And, uh, at that point there were really not a whole lot of open roles for women aviators. Uh, and so uh, women jet aviators. So, uh, my options, I think at the time where I could stay in Kingsville and be an instructor pilot. So I would teach um, other student aviators how to fly jets, or I could be a support pilot. So I, you know, I guess the difference between an instructor pilot is you're teaching someone how to fly this particular jet, like the mechanics of it, how do you land it on an aircraft carrier, that kind of thing. Um, a support pilot is you're teaching people, you're teaching aviators how to fly their missions. So how they're, how they're using the jet to do something. And so, um, one of the openings was at a support squadron in Naval Air Station Lemoore. And it was, uh, it had previously been flying A7s. And like all the other, you know, A7 squadrons in the fleet, they had transitioned to FA18s. And um, they were, you know, like the Alphas and Bravos. So first generation first Hornets. Gen, yeah, yeah. Ones because we're support pilots. We don't need the fancy ones. Those are for the all the guys going out on the tip yeah. of the spear. Um, so I, I received orders to VAQ-34. And um, that's a support squadron that flies missions where we go out and we fly the Hornet really fast and often very low. And we simulate missile profiles. So we pretend to be a missile. 
And that way ships can practice tracking us and pretend to shoot us down. And um, other pilots, fighter pilots can practice um, tracking us like we're a missile and pretend to shoot us down. So it was fun. I mean, I got to go out and fly the Hornet really fast. <laughs> so it was, nice. it was a really fun job. Absolutely. So, yeah, can you talk us through uh, some of your ground and flying training in the Hornet? And what was it like? Was it a big leap forward from the training aircraft you came from? Well, yes. I mean, you know, technologically, it was a huge leap forward. I, you know, A4s are, are from the Vietnam era, and the Hornet was at the time the Navy's, you know, newest fighter jet. And so um, that was a huge you know, hugely going from the cockpit of an A4 to an F-18. Um, but my syllabus as a support pilot was very limited. So uh, because I wasn't going to be using the Hornet as a fighter pilot, I was going to be using it as a support pilot. So I really just needed to know the basics of how to fly a Hornet. But, you know, the oh, basics okay. of how to fly an advanced jet is still, you know, a lot. So I think I did about... Um, I think I was at the the Hornet training squadron for about um, four months or so. My training was pretty limited. I only got about 30 hours in the jet in training, about 16 flights um, at VFA-125. And then I moved over to uh, to VAQ-34. So most fighter pilots, when they're coming through the Hornet training squadron, have much more extensive training. Like, I, I seriously, my flights were like five basic here's how you fly a hornet flights and then i mm. i did a few um instrument flights a few navigation flights and i think i got one um a couple flights on how to do aerial intercepts and that was it so no bombing you know things that i had done in training in kingsville um you know aerial combat maneuvering bombing low level navigation i didn't have to know how to do those things in the hornet for the role that i was uh flying it for so um so it was fairly fairly limited um but then when i finished that training it, oh, and just to take a step back it was very similar to um, the flight training in the Navy, which is almost always, here are all your books, you know, memorize these manuals, learn these procedures in a classroom. Then we take you in the simulator, you learn how to actually do the things, move your hands, do the stuff. And then we put you in the jet and you learn how to fly it. And then, you know, and you still get some academics and simulators along the way as you're doing that. And that was what my Hornet training was like as well. So it sounds pretty amazing. But uh, can you remember your first takeoff and you know plugging in them afterburners for the uh, first time that must have been incredible i totally remember it um and it was uh, a flight uh my first fam flight familiarization flight in the hornet was with an instructor and um we flew out over into a um a training area over in the central valley and um i just remember we were flying along really low and i was like this is super cool and he's like okay are you ready and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> like him. I wasn't really sure what he was going to do. And he just pulls the stick straight back. And we just went like that. And, you know, def- pulled a bunch of G's. And it was just like, holy crap, this is not an A4. Like, this is, <laughs> this is super amazing. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was uh, very memorable. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think uh, maybe you can share a few memorable stories from your time as a support pilot. And I think uh, if I remember once uh, in an email we had, you said you had a memorable DACT story. Oh, <laughs> well, that's actually more for um, the S3s. But All right, um, we'll keep that one for later then. But uh, yeah, any, any memorable stories from your time as a support pilot on the Hornet? Well, um, I would say there were two and really brief. One was... Um, you know, flying in the Hornet was just so 
amazing because you ha you have just this great view of the cockpit um and you know obviously so many other things about it were were really um cool to fly but um we i remember one mission where we were flying at night and it happened to be there happened to be a meteor shower that night and i was going back and forth between really enjoying it but also being a little freaked out by it because i kept seeing like <laughs> lights out of the corner of my eye and i'd be like oh is that you know someone else out here yeah. that i didn't see on the radar and so that was a little it was really neat though i mean you don't get to experience those things like that from the ground so that was fun but the other funny story was um as i mentioned we would often fly missile profiles but we also helped test a few things um and we were doing some tests on a, a version of the slam missile and oh, yeah. um we were flying out of Point Magoo, and I was flying the two-seat version of the Hornet. We had both single seat and two seats, and so I got to fly both. But for this mission, it was the two-seater, and um, the NFO in the back was watching the screen and uh, like the video that was supposed to be from the missile tracking where the missile was going. And for some reason, I don't know. Um, well, what the frequencies were, or if they're still figuring this out, but we were getting the video feed from someone's garage security camera at somewhere in Orange <laughs> County. <laughs> like, wow. Okay, yeah, don't press, um, you know, drop because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it like socially for you as a woman, like you know, like hanging out with all the male counterparts on the Hornet Squadron? Well, you know, unfortunately, that was a really big difference. Um, when I was in the training squadrons, I never felt um, that I was being excluded or discriminated okay. against or looked down upon or anything. Like, I really felt um, like I had a bunch of big brothers, you know, and awesome. the leadership in my training squadrons was always very supportive of me um, being there. You know, they didn't make a big deal out of it. It just wasn't a big deal. I was just like, okay. Um but the Hornet Squadron was a different story. And, um, you know, the timing, I think, was part of it. It was right after Tailhook 91. Oh, um, yeah. And so uh, that wasn't a great time <laughs> to be a yes. woman in a Hornet training squadron. Um, and there just really weren't a whole lot of women um, flying on that platform. So we all knew each other, all the women in Lemoore, and they were fantastic. You know, we all supported each other. Um, so that was really my group. I didn't really hang out with most of the men in Lemoore because, um, you know, the, well, first, the support squadron I went to was not, there really weren't that many male pilots in it at all. It was, um, that for a male pilot was, um, not the best assignment because you're not flying in a squadron that's going out on deployment and right. you know being at the tip of the spear as we like to say and so right. um there really weren't that many men um in that squadron so it was a really different environment than what i had experienced in kingsville